0: anyone ever felt unspiritual? No, it's particularly hard if it's a Sunday morning, you're the speaker. I feel a bit unspiritual this morning. But I'm not moved by what I feel, I'm moved by what I believe. Does anyone else feel unspiritual? Okay, stand up. If you dare. If you feel unspiritual. See? See? Okay. Okay. Us unspiritual people We'll be more spiritual than the rest. We think we're spiritual by the time we finish this. Us and spiritual people are to, I'm not moved by what I feel I have an anointing. I have an anointing. I have an anointing. I have an anointing. I feel more spiritual now. It's good. Now I can go for it. See, we can't live by our feelings. If I had to live by my feelings, I'd hardly ever come up here. Because the enemy's good in the feeling realm. Of getting our attention, helping us feel down and out of sorts and all the rest of it. But we can't afford to live in the, in the feeling realm. We've got to live in the faith realm. Because Jesus paid the price. Hallelujah. Well, last week we a gentleman to took us it up. A.V., please. I forgot last week. This great picture. You know, Paul, we uh, have been working on this leaf, and Paul's done some great graphics in here. And we're going to continue to hear about the Lamb of God and the cross of Christ. Because it's only as we really understand what Jesus did on the cross that we understand God's amazing love for us and his amazing grace. See, God's a holy God. And his holiness had to be satisfied. If we don't understand that, we'll end up with a cheap grace. Well, it doesn't matter if a sin, God will forgive me anyway. This kind of thing is the wrong attitude. And last week we just a bit of a gentle introduction, and we looked at the eternal redemption covenant, something that took place way back in eternity, when Father Jesus and Holy Spirit had the conversation. And Jesus said, yes, Father, I will go. I will go. And so today, we're going to follow that on a little bit. And I just got a little bit of an overview of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I can do this in about five minutes, okay? But it's good to have an overview because then we understand what it's all about. Because the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is all about Jesus Christ. It's all about him. He's the pivotal point of history. There's before Christ and after Christ. It's all about Jesus Christ. The whole Bible is about Jesus Christ. You know, we read in the book of Genesis, don't we, that God created the heavens and the earth in Adam and Eve and he gave them free will. It was important that they had free will because he wanted them to choose to love God. And God created Eve from Adam's side to be his bride. You see, we, we have this thing about the rib, but the root word actually brings out this, you know, it was Adam's side to be his bride. Not his feet or his head. Could Allison come up a minute, please? Just want to show you something here. Might help those of you who are married. Those who are not married, might put you off for life, but still, there you go. I hope not. Okay. Eve was created from Adam's side. Not from his feet to be under him. Not from his head to be over him. But from his side to be alongside him and to be near his heart. And Adam's arm to be around her as a protective covering. That's how it's supposed to be in the garden. Adam and Eve alongside one another. Hearts joined. Okay. Thank you. Sit down. <laughs> Praise God. It's good, eh? So they had an intimate relationship with one another, with God. They were clothed in the glory of God, and all was well in the garden till you know, the story of the snake came along. They were tempted to sin. And when they sinned, sin, sickness, and death came into the world, and Satan deceived Adam and he took Adam's authority. And of course God had then to put them out of the garden. And it looked as if God's great master plan was blown away because he gave free will to mankind. But we know that wasn't the case, don't we? Because God wasn't finished yet, he was still working out his plan and purpose. And in one Corinthians verse fifteen, chapter fifteen, it talks about Jesus Christ coming as the second Adam. See, it's important we understand he came as the second Adam. He came as the second Adam to take back what the first Adam had lost. And because of Jesus and the victory on the cross, he took back that authority that Satan had and he gave it to us, his church. As his church, we can now, we have the glory. We have a measure of the glory of God within us. If you're saved today and God lives in you, you have a measure of God's glory. Isn't that good? He also made it possible for us because of what Jesus did on the cross for all the benefits and the goodness and blessings of heaven to be available to his church today. They're all available to us. Jesus took it back as the second Adam. See, Jesus gave his life for the church and we come out of his side the bride. You remember on the cross, his side was pierced. That's why when you look back in the garden of Adam and Eve, Eve came out of Adam's side, Jesus on the cross, his side was pierced. His bride comes out of his side. We come out of the side. And we are his bride. And because of what Jesus has done, God's plans and purposes can now be fulfilled and thus the bride of Christ will willingly enjoy intimacy with Him. We can willingly enjoy intimacy with Him. We can willingly serve Him and share in the glory of His blessings. Isn't that good? Well, I think that's good. That's just a brief overview. overview. And it's all because Jesus Christ was willing to come as the sacrificial Lamb of God. All because of that. If you're a believer today, you're here because of what Jesus has done for no other reason. What he did in the cross, the price that he paid, and what he went through. So we're just going to look at this now about the cross. But before we go to the cross, in Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through to 13, it talks about the Passover lamb. It was the children of Israel that had been in Egypt. They're about to leave Egypt. All the plagues and things had taken place. They were coming out of Egypt and on the night before they left, God said they had to take a Passover lamb and this lamb had to be without spot or blemish. And what they had to do with the blood of this lamb was put the blood on the lintels and the doorposts so that when the angel of death came over, he would look upon the blood, not what was inside the door, not what was inside the house, but look at the blood in Passover. That's why Jesus was called the Passover lamb. But it... What they also had to do with the Passover lamb, that lamb had to be roasted in the fire. That lamb had to be roasted in the fire. It's very, very important that we understand that. So the blood had to be shed, no bones were broken, and the lamb had to be roasted in the fire. And we see all that in Exodus chapter 12. In John chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So we've got the Passover Lamb and then John the Baptist looks at Jesus and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Again, the reference to the Lamb. So important for us. You see, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Passover lamb. And all the lambs that were sacrificed in the Old Testament. All the blood that was shed, all the lambs that were sacrificed, Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all of that. That's why it's important for us to understand he went to the cross as a sacrificial lamb. You know, It's very interesting. I mean, I don't want to go into all the details, but when you begin to look at this, Bethlehem was about, I think it was five or six miles from Jerusalem. And every feast of Passover, they used to breed lots of lambs around Bethlehem. And all these lambs for Passover used to go from Bethlehem to Jerusalem to be sacrificed at the Passover. Remember, that's where Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Isn't it also interesting, the angels appeared to shepherds. When Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, was born, the angels appeared to shepherds. Isn't that interesting? Shepherds are normally there at the birth of lambs, aren't they? Isn't that interesting? Just some little interesting snippets. Interesting. About the Lamb. See, Jesus went to the cross as a sacrificial lamb. He was whipped He was beaten. His blood was shed. And as he hung upon that cross, the fire of God's wrath was poured upon him because his holiness had to be satisfied. The fire of God's wrath was poured upon Jesus Christ on the cross. But also the fire of hell was poured upon Jesus Christ on the cross as he hung there as a sacrificial lamb. And he uttered not a word. He uttered not a word. Until the place came where he felt abandoned and forsaken by his father and he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because for the first time ever, he felt separated from his father and from the Holy Spirit. And that cry went out from his heart. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he did that for you and for me. Why have you forsaken me? See, the trouble is with some of these nice religious pictures, they can't capture anything of the depth of the cross. We can't really understand it. We just get glimpses. But the cry went out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When he said that, his heart burst. Jesus died of a broken heart. His heart burst. It was ruptured. And then he said, I thirst. And a soldier gave him a little touch on his lips. And then he cried out finally and triumphantly, It is finished. It is finished. The victory had been won over sin, over hell, over sickness and death. It had been won because Jesus paid the price. Jesus went to hell for you and went to hell for me. Jesus took the punishment of God's wrath that we deserved for our sins upon himself because he loved us, because he didn't want you to go through that. God is bigger than some religious pictures. It broke his heart. His love for us broke his heart. What love. You know, and after he died, a soldier came along and pierced his side, and blood and water came out. The medical people would say that's because he was dead. Blood and water came out of his side. You know, for years, I don't suppose I thought much about Father and Holy Spirit, what was happening to them as Jesus was hanging and suffering on that cross. But, you know, it was breaking Father's heart, as it was breaking the heart of Jesus, that he had to pour his wrath upon his son, and so they took the punishment of his sins. He had to do it, and he could do nothing to help Jesus and the Holy Spirit was there at the same time, who'd lived with Jesus throughout eternity, been with Jesus upon the earth. And at the same time, this Father and Holy Spirit, they were going through like hell and earth as well, as Jesus hung and took all that stuff upon himself in the cross. It was breaking their heart to watch what was happening, yet they knew they could do nothing to help him, otherwise the victory wouldn't have been won. So they had to allow him to go through what he went through for you and for me. That's love. That's love. That's love. If you suffer from rejection anyway, let that get deep down inside you. That's how much God loves you, that he would go through that for you and for me. That's love. And Father and Holy Spirit were there watching him and shrugging at the same time. You see, Jesus on the cross took the fire of God's wrath and the fire of hell upon himself so that as believers we can have the fire of heaven upon us. Isn't that good? Jesus paid the price for us to have the fire of the Holy Spirit in our lives. See, divine love overcame divine wrath through divine self-sacrifice. God did it all. God did it all. We weren't involved. God did it all because He loves us. Wow. (laughs) Why did Jesus do it? Because He loves you. That's why I did it, because he loves you, because he loves me. He didn't want you to go through that. He didn't want you to take the punishment that was rightly yours for your sin, that was rightly mine for my sin. He didn't want you to go and live in the fires of hell. Hell is not a nice place, Folks all this rubbish about I'll have a good time down there and have a party, I'm not even sure you'll be able to recognize the person person next to you because there's going to be eternal torment. But Jesus took that for you and for me. And unless we understand that, we've ended up with a cheap grace. The depth of his love. The depth of his love. For you and for me. Wow. The Lamb of God, the sacrificial Lamb. But it didn't end there, did it? Because we know the end of the book. And I want to read something else this book, another extract from this book. You know, if you want to close your eyes, use your sanctified imagination again, please do so. Imagine Jesus returning to heaven, bearing his wounds like medals of honor pinned upon his flesh. C.H. Spurgeon once said, these wounds are the memorials of his love for his people. The holes in his hand, the holes in his side, where the, 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 the crown of thorns had been. These wounds, his feet they're like memorials of his love for his people. Now imagine this. Jesus returning to heaven with purpose and passion, the son heads straight for his father. Excitement fills his heart as he reaches the throne and falls into his father's arms. At last the wounded son is home. And now the wave bursts over the shores of their hearts. It's as though the loneliness of separation, the agony of suffering, the horror of drinking the cup, the relief of completing the work, The joy of releasing the resurrection power and the love of reunion have all rolled together in one swelling wave of emotion. They weep in each other's arms, the Holy Spirit weeping with them. All heaven stands in silence as they listen to the muffled sobs of Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Timeless moments pass. Then finally, the Father opens his arms and stands up straight. He steps to the side and points towards his son. With triumphant love bursting in his heart, he thunders Behold the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Behold the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. What we, can we just come up and sing a bit? Could he sing about The Lamb, please, before I do anymore. Behold the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Wow. Jesus had done it. It was finished. He went through it all for us because he loves us. And then he returned to heaven. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can we stand, please? Seated on the throne. of glory he's now back at the father's right hand you can sit down for a moment he's now the lamb upon the throne that's where he is now you know it's interesting in the book of Revelation Jesus only mentions the a king about three times as the word of God once as the lion once he's mentioned as a lamb 28 times 28 times is mentioned as the Lamb of God. That's amazing. Close your eyes again. Use your imagination. Based upon the book of Revelation, chapter 1, 13 to 18, see this. See his head once soaked in blood, now dazzling, white as snow. See his eyes once filled with sorrow, now blazing, with flames of fire. See his face, once swollen and raw, now radiating like the sun. See his body, once naked and bathed in blood, now bathed in eternal majesty. See his hands that bled from nail holes, now shining with infinite splendor. See his feet, once spiked to a timber, now gleaming like polished brass. See his side once stabbed with a spear now releasing rivers of revival to this earth. But most of all see his heart from which his resurrection glory flows and hear him say this wound in my heart is for you. And we can come to the waters and drink. We can drink from the rivers of revival flowing from the the side of the Lamb upon the throne. And as we drink from him and we get filled with this river then we can go out and tell people about Jesus Christ the Lamb of God who was slain from the creation of the world because he loves him. See there's a sound in heaven. There's a sound. We're not told to overcome by the blood of the King but by the blood of the Lamb. We don't sing the song of the bridegroom but the song of the Lamb. Our names are not written in the Word's book of life, but in the Lamb's book of life. We are not invited to the lion's wedding supper, but to the wedding supper of the Lamb. The bride is not called the wife of the lion, but the wife of the Lamb. And in heaven, the angels are worshipping and they're saying this, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb forever. See, the sound of heaven is the song of the Lamb. And God wants us to worship on earth till our song on earth becomes one with that song in heaven where they're singing worthy is the lamb. Can we stand again and sing that? Worthy is the lamb. 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 lamb.